to be able to make it. And I want you to know his love brought you in. His love is keeping you in. Yeah, the love of God is all powerful. Um, oh, I'm excited about, about teaching this month on God's love. Um, tonight, tonight we're going to just go into um, the book of um, the epistle um, in 1 John. And we're just going to go to chapter number 3. Um, our monitor is out, so we'll get another one up there so we can have the word of the month on the wall by Sunday. All right? Amen. But I want you to know, if you want to write it down, it's um, 1 John 4.16. Amen. <laughs> 1 John 4.16. Anybody want to read that for us tonight? Stop right there. Say that again. How many of you know that God loves you? How, how many of you believe that he loves you? Okay. She's going to continue to read. But if you know God loves you and you believe he loves you and he is everything, he's omnipotent. He's all-knowing. He's a provider. He's your peace. He's everything. And you know he loves him some you. That would be enough. But the Bible says, then you go into a believing mode. Now, how many of you believe that God loves you? Even when things are not working out the way you want them to work, do you believe he still loves you? Do you believe he's going to work it out? Do you believe it's going to be better than it is? Then you should be excited all year long, no matter what happens, whether abound or abase, because your belief system is wrapped up in how much he loves you. Get this. It's not wrapped up in how much you love him. It's how much he loves you. Read it one more time. God is love. And he... And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. Amen. God is in you. Now it's up, for, up to you to stay in him. Amen. But you will never stay in him if you don't believe it. That's why the writer says, first, you got to know it. Then you got to believe it. It's different. You, you can know something but not believe it. You've known a whole lot of stuff and didn't believe it. But when you believe that God really loves you, 
That changes everything. Amen. Everything. Because it's the most sovereign God has invested his love in you, and you hold on to that, you don't have to worry about nothing else. All the believers should just be <laughs> every day. Why? Because whatever the world says doesn't change God's love. God's love was so much for you while you were yet sinners. His love was there for you. He wasn't waiting for you to prove yourself. His job is to prove you. God is doing it all, all by himself. And in order for us to reap the benefits of his labor, we ought to just let him do it. And believe him while he does it. I'm going to ask a question before we get into the text. What causes us to not believe God even though we know his word is true? What causes us to doubt God? Circumstances, lack of faith, Fear, eyes on the stuff instead of him. And the word not being clear sometimes. I want to share with you that the word is clear all the time. When we lose focus, we will start to describe things based on our own intellect and not faith. When that happens, our belief system has been distorted based on our thoughts and feelings. There will be a great falling away from the church based on carnal feelings and carnal thoughts. But the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by and you hear the word of God but yet you still have doubt you still have pity parties you still wonder is God. Sometimes we want God, are you even here? We wonder these things because our belief system 
has been thwarted by the thoughts of man or the feelings of man. God has already proven himself that he loves you. You're in good shape right now compared to where you used to be. Can I just tell the truth? <laughs> if we use that for a reference point, isn't that enough to just believe God and, and continue to worship and praise him even when it don't look like the way you want it to look? How many of you believe the scripture, all things worketh together for the good of those who love the Lord and who were called according to his purpose? You believe it? Yes. How many of you really love God? Okay. God is so awesome. He doesn't even tell us that we need to do X, Y, and Z. He basically tells us to just believe him. And he'll save us from anything. Just believing him. All right, now turn to John, 1 John 3, not the gospel. We'll go back to the back of the Bible. <clears throat> right before Revelations, Jude comes after that, but I mean, Jude is in between, but if you go back there, you'll see First John, and then we'll go to the third chapter. And we're just going to move methodically through this as the Holy Spirit leads us. Verse number one, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us. Another version says has lavished on us. John writes, he says, look, this love that God has done, this is great and he said, we need to stay focused on God's love. Truth be told, the enemy uses other relationships to try to get you to compare God's love to other loves. Thereby, when other people's love don't look right, you think that God's love don't look right. But God's love is all right. And it's great. And it doesn't make sense. So we should never try to compare God's love to anybody else's love. Because God is infinite. And we are finite. So there's no comparison to the love that we could give based on the love that he gives. God love don't make sense to man. Even if you try to calculate it and put it all together in your own formula, 
you will never truly be able to explain the love of God. His love is just awesome. It is indescribable. It is unending. People's love have periods on them at some point. God's love is ever flowing. No matter what you do, God is going to love you. The good news is God loves sinners. And if we're full of God's love, then we ought to love them too. Because if God's love comes out of us, the love of God is what changes a sinner anyway. A sinner is not changed by you telling them that the Bible is going to beat them up. The love of God is what saves the world. So then if God gives us this powerful gift, the first thing we need to do is embrace his love. And understand that we cannot comprehend the depths of his love. It is way deeper than we could ever get. It is way higher than we could ever get. His love. That love he lavished on us, the believers. He has bestowed on us that we should be called what? So the love of God changed your DNA. He made you a child of God. While you were yet sinners, his love met you one day. And it was lavished on you. In other words, it wasn't up to you to receive it or not. His love overtook you. See, God's love will overtake. So you don't have to worry about uh, if somebody is in sin, you have a good reference point because you were in sin. And God's love will finally get them one day. When he lavishes it on them, it will change them and they will no longer be the child of the enemy, but they will be the child of God. So if God don't do nothing else for you, just because you're a child of God, you ought to praise him. You know, sometimes we want, oh, I'm just waiting for God to bless me. He already blessed you. Oh, if God does this for me, I'm just going to go wild. Why don't you just go wild anyway? Because he didn't done enough for you. You know, it's something how when, when God does something like this that doesn't make sense and we didn't deserve it. Everyone in here was on their way to hell until God's love met you. Hallelujah. And some of us was driving buses, trying to take other people to hell with us. Some of us was pedaling a bike, you was going slow, but you was on your way to hell. Some of us, like me, was on a flying saucer. 
going quick. And the love of God met me one day and brought a change. It's almost like when Paul is on the road to Damascus. God said, let me take the chief sinner. Because if I can get him. Everybody knows that joker. I can get a whole lot of folks to believe. I want to let everybody know in here you have ministry in you. So he says, we're children of a God. And he says, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So why does John shift gears and start talking about what the world don't know? John wants us to know that we're different. And if you belong to the word, if you've been engrafted by the love of God, the world will not understand you. If the world does not understand the love that you have, they are going to try to do everything that they can to get you out. That's why when people come along in your life, and try to get you out of the will of God, but at one in, in the same breath, they're acting like uh, you know that they're doing the right thing. It's because they just don't know, and we don't have to be, be mad at them. We just have to continue to let the love of God abide in us, and we abide in the love of God. Why? Because if you do that, then that love can change them. <laughs> so he said the world doesn't know you they don't know the love of God all they know is what they desire and so they will try to entice you with their desires because they have what's called worldly desires and they don't understand that you have the love of God therefore if you try to share that with them they may not get it you have to wait for God to get them. But don't go along with them because they're trying to pull you out of the will of God. That is what the world's assignment is. To pull you out of the will of God so that, listen, so that the enemy can have target practice with you. Because the enemy can't destroy you. But he can have target practice with you. He can, listen, God will allow some pain to hit your life. But he's good. So then, verse 2, let's go. Somebody read it. Okay, so he says, beloved, we're children of God. But all the revelation hasn't come yet. How many of you know everything about God? Right. And so that is one of the reasons that we stumble so much is because we do not know 
all of God's way. That's what I'm going to teach you on Sunday, love God's way. But that's just a, 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 just a little snippet that's coming on Sunday. There's no way for us to operate and abide in God if we do not know how he operates. And so one verse says that we have to go through trials because it works out the genuineness of our faith, but we don't like trials. But trials does great work. Right? It brings about perseverance. Right? Without a trial, you won't keep on going. But most of us won't pray for a trial. Because you don't want them. And when you get a trial, you get mad at the trial. But you are a child of God. So if you're a child of God, who's in charge of your house? So if God is allowing something to happen in the house, don't you believe that God will make a way for you in the house? Do you believe that God has a plan for you in the house? So no matter what happens in the house, then you ought to be happy because you know that God is going to take care of you because you are his child. You know what's tough? It's tough for the believers to understand that bad things happen to believers. It rains on the just and the unjust. Last time I checked, when I looked at um, the call to discipleship, Paul, he was beaten like a dog. He was thrown into prison. He was shipwrecked. He tried to run. As a matter of fact, everyone that was called by God went through great suffering. And nobody would tell the church that that's part of the process. But God will not put more on you than you can handle. Right? So if you are going through, keep on going because God has made a way out of no way. I was tripping on God. I said, wow, God, you're amazing. Because if I was you and my children were stuck in Egypt, I would have wiped Egypt out. God said, that's why you're not me. Because you can only, you only have a finite vision. But my vision is infinite. I'm up to something. And the way, the way I do it, I'm going to save many lives. I have a plan. And so we, we don't understand that this pain that we go through, somebody else is getting saved through what we are going through. Somebody else is gaining from what we are going through. God has a system that he uses his people to go through suffering so that others can receive his love. Now, how many of you want your friends to receive the same love of God that you have? Do you understand when you go through and you go through with grace and you're trusting God? Your friends are looking at you saying, how do you do it? And you say, it's not me. Who is it? It's God. Beloved. Go ahead, Harold. Now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him 
Mm. He said, it's not been revealed what we shall be. That means God's not done with you. That's why he gives you more revelation of who he is through his word. That's why we meet. Because when we meet, revelation comes forward. God explains himself. See, God explains himself. That's called revelation. People cannot explain God. He must be revealed. And in his meeting place, he begins to reveal who he is. And through your turmoils, he reveals who he is. That's why we, go, we get sick. Because if we didn't get sick, how would we know that he is the healer? Right? That's why, yeah, we get in bondage. If we don't get in bondage, how do we know that he's a deliverer? And so um, John writes, he says, we only, we don't know all there is, but we belong to him. And we're going to know because we're going to be just like him. Because that's whose plan? God's plan. Verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Stop right there. Now it says that when we have hope, it brings purification. So the question is, where is our hope? In him. Isn't it something? If our hope is in him, wouldn't you want to talk about the hope? Wouldn't you want to plan for the hope? If you really have hope in him, it purifies you that you will start planning. Why? Because hope is built in a belief system. It's almost like a woman gets pregnant. She hopes that she has a girl. She goes and buys pink. And it just so happened to be a boy. But her hope led her to plan for her hope. And sometimes discouragement, discouragement is on one end and what you're hoping for is on another end, but you plan for what's discouraging you. You plan to fail. You plan for it not to work out. You know, people, people that have even come and sat down for me for counseling say, well, if it don't work, Pastor, this is what I'm going to do. Well, let's end counseling right here because you're already planning for exit. Why would you want to plan to exit? Because your hope, your hope is not in God. When you hope in God, you know he's going to work it out. And the word says that purifies you. When you just hope that God will work it out. It begins to purify your thoughts and it will run out the thoughts of discouragement out of you. Say, my hope is in God. All right, let's go next verse. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. Keep going. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin. Okay. He was manifested to take away our sins. Well, who takes away our sins? Mm-hmm. So why do we try to take other people's sins away? Huh? Oh, you need to stop doing that. 
as long as it took you to stop doing this, you're going to judge somebody else's that? So it says, so just so we know, Jesus was manifested to take away the sins of the world. Jesus came to earth, a part of God's plan of love, to take away the sins of the world. Why? Because God has a system that is way bigger than our minds can imagine. Because who who is it that would say, I want to give my son up to take away the sins of the world? God is so awesome, he could have just took the sins away. God, God could do anything in any given time, but he has a system. And his system is built on his love. So he sent his son to take away the sins of the world. And the world belongs to him. I know people say it belongs to the devil. Breaking news. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. And so God says, I got to do this so that my people would fall in love with me. And there's a system working against you. And so the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And part of God's part of God's creation is that we're born one day and then we leave the earth. The good news is said that we'll never die. Those that are in, in Christ never die. But when we leave the earth, we don't understand that we're not dying, but we are being birthed into finality. That is our final birth. And that's why the Bible teaches us to rejoice because God loves us so much that he gives us another birth and gives us another body. And takes us to another place so that we could be with him and experience love like we never experienced it before. Therefore, anybody that goes from here is going to the best place as long as they are in Christ. A place that we're love. And then the Bible explains all of that to us. But God did all of this through the move of love. Let's go here. Whoever stays in him does not sin. Well, when do you sin? When you're not in him. But he's in you. So then why do we sin if he's in you? Because you walk out of his will. Why do you walk out of his will? Because you're still in flesh. Paul says there's a battle going on. Here's the good news. Our flesh on its best day can't whoop the spirit of God. And the spirit of God lives in you. Oh, goodness. What are you saying? I'm saying that we got to quit blaming people when they mess up because they made a bad choice. But God had the final say-so. 
And if God allowed it, God is going to work some good no matter how bad it looks. If we understand God's system, then we won't judge one another. We can love one another no matter what happens in this life. Read that one more time, Harold. Whoever stays in him does not sin. Whoever sin has neither seen him nor knows him. Okay. Oh. Whoever sin has neither seen him or know him. Wait, 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 wait. So, if you sin, that means you're not in him. When the word knowing in the Bible is mentioned, knowing means to enter in. So if you are sinning, that means you are not in him. That means you have exited somewhere. What is the point of exit that we are failing at? If he dwells in our heart, how does he get us? How does the world and the flesh allow us to sin? By opening the door to sin. By opening the door to sin. Where does the door get open? Christ is in your heart. Where does the enemy come and get the door open? In your mind. Well, and so if Christ that's why, listen, that's why you got to believe. Whatever a man thinks, so is a man thinketh in his heart. But the thing about it is you, we were trained that we think with our head. But the Bible teaches us to think with our heart. Why? Because that's where the spirit of God is. And if you allow the spirit of God to lead you, then it will be hard for you to sin. But you, your thought process is what leads you to sinning. So God loves you so much. First, he comes into your heart. And then he says, I got to cleanse your mind. And here's the, here's the thing. Most, most believers, when they first get saved, they are so in love with God. Those are the best prayer warriors there is. I, I could hook up with someone who just came to the altar and gave their life to Christ on fire. They don't care nothing about nothing. But when you come to church after that for a few years and you start, oh, I got to know this scripture and I got to know this and I got to know that. And you become so busy trying to do for God that you forget he needs to do you. Therefore, therefore, you start judging and looking and pointing fingers and being offended. All of that stuff and in your mind start thinking and, 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 and your heart was what God was had absorbed. And all you could think about is how he was in your heart. But after a while of being around worldliness, your mind starts thinking worldly. I say that to say, 
Don't ever think of yourself more highly than you ought. Because God will allow something to happen in your life. Not that he would dismiss you as his child. God will always keep you as his child. He, he would never disown you. But he will bring you down so that you can receive his love the right way. Amen. Why does God want you to receive his love? Because he loves us too much. To because he wants, to, that's right, he wants you to be a reflection mm -hmm. of who he is. Mm -hmm. That's why John writes, we have not seen it all yet because he's not done with us yet. But it's being revealed daily as he's refining you with the love that he has for you. You there, Harold? One more. Yep. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Stop right there. Now, little children, let no one deceive you. No preacher. No minister, no elder, no choir member, huh? Uh, no deacon, right? Don't let no one deceive you or chaplain. Let no one deceive you. If they're not abiding in the word of God, then you ought not to be following with them. The spirit of deception is the enemy's tool to deceive you. You are no match for that deception with your mind. It's the spirit man. That's why he says, abide in me. So that when deception comes, you'll say, oh, uh-uh. This don't look like my father. I can't be a part of that. Let's go, Harold. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. Mm -hmm. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Right. So I'm going to stop right there because you said, well, we're Christian and, you know, we sin. And, you know, well, check this out. When you do, you're doing devil work. You have to know that. Even though you're a child of God, you're doing devil work. And so you are really promoting the agenda for the devil right and so the god has said embrace my love this is all about love i have done this through my son jesus christ i have put my spirit in you pay attention to the love that i gave you in my spirit and it'll keep you right there amen so <clears throat> i want you to turn because we got to get out of here i want you to turn to matthew 22 verse 34 We there? Okay, so in the teaching tonight, God lavishes his love. 
Jesus great manifestation on in on earth and then now he's manifested his spirit in us gives us his power so that we can stay in him and then we have to understand that the full purpose behind all that we do is all based on God's love amen all right so verse 34 Harold let's go Hmm? Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay, so what's the greatest commandment in the law? Love. What is the greatest commandment? Love. To love God. Yes. With what? Read it again. Your heart, your soul, and your mind. So God wants your mind too. That's why he says your mind. Because he wants your mind. Right? God wants your mind. The believers have got to love him enough to give up your mind. That way you'll stop trying to figure him out. And you'll begin to faith him out. God's love is so awesome. All the laws, the Ten Commandments. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I had to memorize the Ten Commandments. And every day I'd be thinking about, oh, I can't lie. I can't steal. You know, uh, and so I'm thinking about it. And then, you know, I didn't see in the Ten Commandments about cussing. So I just kept cussing. I didn't know. I'm just telling the truth. (laughs) But, But, you know, there's all these rules that we had to follow. And God says, no, I'm giving you grace. I'm going to teach you one rule. I'm going to teach you that if you love me, I'll work out the rest. Isn't that something? Because he says, he says, this is the first and greatest commandment is for you to love God. Now, that is a vertical relationship. He says, when you love me, I step in and I do the rest. Hallelujah. So what's the second part of that? And the second is righteous. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you love me, I step in. Because we're in relationship. And I stretch you horizontal to love one another. Let's reel, let's reel it in backwards. If you can't love your brother, then you haven't embraced the love of God. In two commandments, we have the cross. And that's what God did for us on the cross was to show us how to love and how to stay in love with him. How do you know? Because if I was on the cross and I could get them back for doing what they're doing to me, I'm coming off the cross. I'm wiping them all out. 
but he kept them on the cross so that everybody could see that love is what was going to save the world. When we embrace God's love, we'll be able to release that love. When you release the love of God, it will save even your enemies. You remember the soldiers, even the one that stuck them? All the soldiers that was there, deliverance came because of one man. That one man's spirit is now in you. question is, will you let it out of you so that others could be saved too? Give God a hand of praise.